Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Lee Cockrell, with me. Uh, Lee is the um, former executive vice president of the Walt Disney World operations team. So thank you so much for being here, Lee. It's an honor to have you. Yeah, great. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind, kind of give us a little bit of detail and background on yourself and what that was like for you. Maybe it may depress your listeners. <laughs> so I, grew, I grew up in Copan, Oklahoma on a farm, which I don't know if you know where that is, but it's out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. north of Dewey and almost to the Kansas border. Oh, yeah. And we were very poor. We had a farm and we didn't even have indoor plumbing. I tell my grandkids that they think I'm lying, <laughs> but I actually took my son there and showed him the old place. It's been torn down since then. And uh, my mother was kind of dysfunctional. She was married five times. She was kind of busy. And <laughs> I've, been, I've been adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16, my husband number four. Really? Okay. She started making better choices. She started marrying doctors. And uh, <laughs> so he had money. I got to go to college. I, I never I even thought, little ten, a lot of kids didn't go to college back then. And mm-hmm. so I went off to Oklahoma State and promptly flunked out for not going to class. <laughs> and I was not a good student anyway. And I got a, I went in the army in 64. And, uh, and uh, that was good for me. I needed that kind of being away from home discipline. Uh, there, you know, in the army, there's one way to do it. You do yeah. it the way they tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot. And uh, so I uh, met a guy there and he asked me if I wanted to go to Washington, D.C. with him when we got out of the army. I said, sure. So we went to Washington, got a job at the Washington Hilton up there on Connecticut Avenue where John Hinckley shot President Reagan back in the 80s. And uh, I worked there as a waiter and somebody taught me the business. I'd never been in a hotel my whole life. And uh, then I have... And I said, two reasons I was successful. I have a good attitude because I don't have a college degree. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm really organized. I'm very disciplined, reliable. I, keep, I really do what I say I'm going to do. People can rely on me. And I got promoted about a year and a half later into a management training program in the accounting area. And so I did, I eventually was doing the accounting for the food and beverage operations at the Washington Hilton and then Chicago and then the Waldorf Astoria in New York. And then I worked at a Terrytown Hilton, which is up by the Tappan Zee Bridge and north of Manhattan, then Los Angeles Hilton. And my wife and I moved 11 times and uh, with my career, we've had a ball. We've been here 30 years. So you can imagine the early years. Uh, we had a two-year-old and uh, Hilton was great. I learned a lot. I learned the business there. Marriott was amazing. I really learned how to be a good manager because you were responsible for the P&L, your expenses. You had to be on the ball. They, Disney, uh, Marriott's a very good management company. I mean, management, they keep things under control. And they, yeah. they had 32 hotels when I joined them and now they have 7,000. Yes. So I used to see Bill Marriott every day and all the time because 32 hotels, he came and saw, saw us a lot. Yeah. And then I got, uh, let's see, uh, I got uh, recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open Disneyland Paris. And they wanted me back in the food business because I was really good at that. I knew the accounting, I knew the finance, I knew the, I'd been a cook, I'd been a waiter, I'd done all that. I knew, I knew how to people steal and how they drink <laughs> whiskey and steal cigarettes. And uh, It's a crazy business in the food business. Uh, and people are from every country in the world when you work in the food business, especially in a big city like New York, Washington, LA. So you, uh, you really come to appreciate all kinds of people. Those people you work with, you go out with, you date them, you drink with them. (laughs) And uh, it was a good experience. And so uh, I went to France. My wife loved it. She wanted to go to France. She had a French boyfriend when I met her in 1960s. I had to get rid of him. That took a while. (laughs) She liked him. He had a better car than I did. And uh, so we went to France and I worked there for three years. 
two years before the opening, a year after the opening, and then I was asked to come to Orlando and be in charge of the hotel division at Disney World. And two years after that, I was put in charge of all operations at Walt Disney World and uh, did that for another 10 years. And uh, when I was 62, I retired before I died at my desk. So I uh, started the consulting business. I write four books so far and a couple of others I've co-authored and I have a training academy and I, I, all kinds of things. It's on my website. And I do it just to keep busy. So what are you going to do at 62? You can't lay on the couch all day or you'll be dead. <laughs> and uh, so I, I really love it. I love teaching, which has really become I'm advising people today. Don't be a boss, be a teacher. Because first of all, people hate their boss. And being a teacher, they appreciate that. Start, when somebody's not doing a job, don't try to intimidate them or, or yell at them or just teach them. Take them and show them just like you would your children. And so that's become very... Uh, that I really get inspired by that now because I get so much good feedback from people saying, thank you. And you know, that's the name of the game when you, I just want to be appreciated. People yeah. ask me why I do this. And I said, because people clap and I need it. I'm very insecure. And <laughs> when I play golf, nobody claps. So I quit doing that. And uh, so it's fun. That's what I do. And I travel all over the world and I've been to 45 countries now and done business in 45 countries. And it changed me. I tell kids today, as soon as you graduate from college, get out of your community, get out of your village, go out and see the world, go to a big city and live five years. It'll change you. If you can get an international assignment, by all means, it'll change you for the better. And uh, yeah, education, experience and exposure, that's the name of the game. And uh, so uh, if you'd have told me when I was 20 years old, I'd be running Disney World 15 years later, I'd say you're the craziest person in the world. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem possible. And I, and I think one of the messages for your listeners is young people and middle-aged people and older people need to not underestimate what they can do, what they can achieve. Don't underestimate your influence. You can influence these people every day with your own role modeling and being good and nice and treating people well and training them. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing I learned is I always underestimated my ability. And that's why you have uh, low self-confidence. And at three, luckily, I worked for three great companies and I had a lot of uh, good experience and I had, uh, I did well. So my confidence rose pretty dramatically. And I, I don't have any problem with it today. But boy, I tell you what, when you don't have strong self-confidence, it's hard to get up and speak and to teach and to uh, deal with hard things have make hard decisions, have hard conversations with people, which is, you know, kind of the name of the game. And so that was kind of my career and now I'm just enjoying it and talking to people like you and anybody will talk to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what haven't you done? <laughs> so, I've no. done a lot. I, and, uh, and, uh, and I will tell you, I have, I now in the last 25 years have I've learned to just do things to do them. You know, I'm enjoy talking. Now I know you, you know me. I mean, I don't know. Something might happen another time. Uh, I had a guy call me the other day and book me for a really a great, uh, uh, piece of work for him and when he finished telling me what he was going to pay me what he could and wanted to he said and I want to tell you seven years ago you spoke and I was there and afterwards I came up to you and told you my son wanted to be a chef and you got him a job at Disney and he's about to become a chef mm. I mean you know everything comes around yeah I, in my opinion that's my experience don't do things for people expecting anything but when you do things for people, often something happens. And I think that's real. I don't, I think it's people don't forget when you help them. You nah. forget maybe that you helped them, but they don't forget. I don't remember helping this young man, but his dad said I did. So I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we can all do that every day. Every mm -hmm. day we have the opportunity to help somebody not be as my, my, as my granddaughter said, I said, what's the most important thing in customer service, Margo, when she was 12. I'm writing a book about it and I need your help. She said, Pappy, the most important rule is to be nice. You know, and we could all be a little nicer these days. I mean, yeah, if yes. the kids are nice, but not so many adults. Yeah, and, she, uh, she's smart. <laughs> yeah, she was. And, uh, and my grandson, I asked him what service meant to him. He was 10 and he said, Pappy, when you serve, you're always the giving one. <laughs> and then my oldest grandson, he's a biomedical engineer now. I said, what do you got, Julian? And he said, 
Well, I'll tell you from the medical work I've done, your tongue's the strongest muscle in your body. Be careful how you use it. You can hurt people with it. <laughs> and, you know, there's three kids. I don't get that much out of adults. <laughs> and yeah. they're, good they're good lessons for us to remember is to take a deep breath and behave. Well, people got enough problems in their life without us making it worse every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, all around, everywhere, you know, anxiety and depression are at an all-time level in the world. I mean, people are really tough shape mm -hmm. and worried about many things, as you know, and I'm sure you see that in your own life. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's all types of things that go around and uh, just simple acts like what you're talking about, being nice, having a smile, uh, <laughs> service. It's all things I'm sure that you were trying to implement and you guys have done a fantastic job at Disney and Marriott and Hilton, all the places you've been, but they're so, um, you know, it goes from the top down. It and does. so, can you talk a little bit about those experiences? Because uh, you, you shared so much right there and really want to unpack it. But early on, did you have any particular experiences at a young age that kind of shaped you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I sure. think growing up in Oklahoma on a farm where, you know, people said, what, did you have any work to do there? I said, we didn't call it work. It's just you had things you had to do. I milked a cow in the morning. We fed the cows. We had to, I mean... We, we never went on vacation. We might go out to the lake in the afternoon on a Saturday and get back in time to milk the cow. And you just work. And, and the people out in the rural areas are, you know, they help each other. And I guess all that goes in you when you're a kid and that's the way it is. And I didn't realize I was learning that stuff. And you learn, uh, I think, uh, persistence. You got to get it done. You can't tell your mother, I don't want to milk the cows today. I don't want, no. You, <laughs> I don't want to feed the dog. I don't want to, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine telling my mother I wasn't going to do something. And I didn't even know you could tell her you couldn't do it. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think you learn those things by where you grow up and the culture you grow up in and how your parents and grandparents are and seeing them work hard. And, and uh, yeah, you definitely are affected by who raises you and where you're raised probably a lot. I think. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Then, and you had a chance to go uh, to Oklahoma State. And yep. what was those years in college like for you? And I think were you in a, a fraternity or something with a group of guys? Oh, at yeah, I had a ball and I flunked out because I, <laughs> I mean, literally, the problem with I, you know, I had a family that didn't focus on education. I, I don't ever remember my mother even caring about my report, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, you know, I was a nice kid in class and Ardmore High and they just graduated everybody to get rid of you they didn't have enough seats to keep you another year and uh, I was I didn't do well and at all I don't I mean adding and subtracting is about my limit and uh, I see my grandkids taking calculus and all I mean I, I can't even I don't even know what it's about I looked it up the other day to read about it because and I said I wrote four books four books I still don't know where the commas go I hire <laughs> professional writer to put the commas i'm still trying to figure out what a semicolon's for i'd love to use one and you know all of this i just didn't know and so it was very intimidating to go to college because you know there i am and finding the classrooms i had no idea what they were talking about when they're talking about uh, gross national product and i mean i'm gonna what are they it was just intimidating therefore you know when you're intimidated and you're scared about something you don't you don't it, I just screwed around, you know, I made an A in tennis. I took some cooking courses in the hotel administration. I did well in those, but the r real courses you need, finance, e economics, no, that was not. And so it was that, I think, you know, you get affected by your family. If your family is not, doesn't have high expectations, mm -hmm. you, I mean, I can imagine you have children by any chance. I d not yet. No, no kids yet. Did your mother have high expectations for you? Uh, she did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mothers know. And I think that's the problem. When we raise our expectations, we do better and the people are under us do better and around us do better. And I, I do, I know that now when our son, he was raised with high expectations. He's doing great. He ended up running the magic kingdom Epcot. He was a, with Disney 25 years, got his own business now doing great. Our grandkids, we had very high expectations for, we paid for them to go to a private school and, and, uh, university of Miami, university of Denver. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all, and they're all doing great. They're as smart as they can be. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's just for me to sit back and watch, uh, yeah, we, we all did a good job and, you know, that's your job is to make, you know, 
and we did it and I'm real proud of them. And they, they can't even understand the things I went through. Uh, they don't understand what it was like in the forties and fifties with uh, all the bigotry and racism. When I talked, <laughs> they don't have a clue what I'm talking. My granddaughter said to me once, she said, Pappy, did you know that black guys couldn't dance with white girls in the 1860s? I said, no, that was the 1960s, Margo. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just floored. They have yeah. no idea. And now they've had a different life than I did. And they've been all over the world and their mother's French and their friends are all from everywhere in the world. And, and so that exposure, I talk about exposure again, you know, you get education, but that doesn't give you exposure. Then you got to go get exposure, travel, go to places, work and meet people from different places, different religions and, uh, and experience. I mean, you know, they all worked all the way through high school. They had jobs. They, I mean, they, mm -hmm. and they, it, it developed them. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think about those three, we got to think about more than just education. Yeah. We, we got to make sure people are doing some, getting that real deep exposure to other people in the world. And, and that experience, experiences, as you know, experience, you can't take it away from anything. And once you got it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, yeah. It, and you brought up a really good point about kind of uh, having experience to go out and experience new places in, in the world and see different cultures and take things in. It's it's really foundational. I believe 100% that as well. I met my wife in Australia on a study abroad trip. And it oh, was you know, fabulous. One of our, I love our Australia. Oh, it was, it was great. And we went to New Zealand as well. But anyway, um, you know, when you push yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit, you get to see a lot of different places and meet new people and have these experiences. But on top of that, how do people, you know, maybe it's uncomfortable for people to do that sometimes. How do you, how do you, how are you able to push outside your comfort zone to go and, and do that? I'd say it's hard. And I think you got to hear stories like this and you got to, hopefully you have parents that push you and expose you and all, but a lot of kids are not going to get exposure because there's poverty and there's poor education and they have no chance to go anywhere. They've never been out of their city. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just, uh, hopefully with, uh, we do have a lot of access now to the internet. People can learn if they want to, you can go to watch a movie about Australia. You, you can watch, you can learn about Australia more than most Australians know in a couple of weeks, if you want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, very and, true. I, I went to speak at, uh, in uh, Switzerland, in Zurich. I had a speech over there and I've been mentoring a young bl black guy here in Orlando who grew up in the worst neighborhood. I mean, he, his, he had three brothers in prison for murder and all. I mean, it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I meant, I've been mentoring him for three years and uh, he's great. He's doing great. And he's in college and we got him in college and got, he got all scholarships. And, and one day I uh, went to Zurich and uh, he, when I got back, he said, Hey Lee, how was Zurich? I said, Oh, it was great. We had a great time. He said, where is Zurich? He had no idea. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, take that little phone out of your pocket and put in a Google Zurich. And then you call me back and tell me where it is. And I really taught, I said, don't ever ask a stupid question again. It's in your pocket. Uh -huh. And he now knows he, he looks up everything. He wrote me back and said, it's in Switzerland. It's beautiful. <laughs> bingo uh -huh. so people you know he didn't know he's mm -hmm. never been out of orlando yeah know? and but he's now getting wide exposure because he's in college he's getting exposure to college that changes you a lot and then he got a job he got a great job and then they liked him so well they put him in accounting marketing he's just a great kid he learns quick he's smart he's cool and um now he was, last time I talked to him, he was in Washington, D.C., visiting a friend. And, and I mean, he's, his, his eyes have been opened. He's not afraid to go and to mm -hmm. do. And, um, yeah, you know, if you, if you want to get real exposure, go in the hotel or restaurant business. You'll meet people from everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I've been to Australia twice. I do work for over there for a couple of clients. And, man, I, it's an amazing place. It's mm -hmm. just an amazing place. And, uh Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And, and that's one of the things too, is just sometimes we don't know what we don't know until we're exposed to things or we have people around us in the environment and you help kind of see a path forward. So it gives you the confidence, like you're saying, to, to move in the direction that you want to go. And I think that's really powerful. Um, and going into your story a little bit, you talked about, you went into the army and then you wound up getting into hospitality and hotels with the Hilton. 
Um, how did that come about and what was that like for you? Because that was another new experience. Uh, you'd been in the army, but you were leaving Oklahoma, leaving a, something that was maybe comfortable and going into something different. What was that like? Yeah. You know, when you're young, you're kind of crazy and risky. So it didn't bother me much. I just went to, I had no idea. I didn't even know if I could get a job. Mm. We took some extra K rations with us from when we left the army. So we'd have something to eat for a few days. And I mean, I had no money. And we, yeah. what I found out, you can always get a job if you want one. Mm. And we got a couple of roommates and we rented a place together. And when you're 20 years old, you can go to clubs and meet people and do things. And I would say when you're 20 to 30, take every risk. Don't worry about it. Things will work out. You can go to the Salvation Army if you don't have any food. I mean, you'll find a place to sleep every night when you're 20. And uh, <laughs> it it's uh, don't be so uh, try to be too comfortable because uh, that's when the exciting is when you learn. And I got all my breaks because I did it. I just did it. I don't, and, you know, uh, a lot of people, they get a good education, but they're afraid to leave. Their mother wants them to stay there. They don't want them to go. I mean, they, they've never been exposed, so they feel they don't have the courage to go. It's hard to move to New York City. It's hard to move to Paris. It's hard to, but it's also the other side is just as exciting, which you grow. I mean, and it's, it's only scary until you get there. Then you get over. I mean, it especially when you're young. I mean, hey, you can do anything. I mean, yeah. anything. You can make as many mistakes as you want, as long as they don't get on the internet. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just tell people, go do it. Don't have regrets in your life. You wish you mm. had done this. You wish you had done that. You wish you had worked in New York or LA or Chicago, or you wish you had whatever. You don't wish, go do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it'll work out. You're not going to starve to death. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. It, it's so simple, but if you just go do the things that you have a desire to do and you take the risk, you step outside your comfort zone, typically good things happen. And even if it's not necessarily a good thing, you learn from it and you can keep moving on. Hey, and if you're, if you got a good attitude and you work hard, no, I don't care if they hire you to clean the bathroom, you got to be the best little bathroom cleaner they ever knew in the whole world. And you're going to be the champion. Next thing you got to know, you're going to be in charge of the bathroom cleaners, and then you're going to be in charge of the building. And then you're going to, I mean, this is how life works. People ask me, how can I be successful, Lee, like you were? I say, be better than everybody else, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> attitude and reliability. That's it. That's yeah. what, that's the person you want. We all know. I had guys from Harvard working for me at Disney. They, they didn't do too well. They didn't have that get it done, uh, reliability credibility hanging in there finishing it mm -hmm. and uh, at the end of the day your boss wants to you to make his life easier and get it done and be reliable and do what you say you're going to do and keep learning and uh, i tell you with the technology we have today if you're not if you if there's something you don't know and tomorrow you still don't know it that's your fault <laughs> you know i listen to the news i hear about some country and i said what's that i didn't even know it was a country and I look it up and 5 million people live there. Why didn't I know that? I yeah. don't know. There's, I, you probably don't know 99.9% .9 of what's going on in the world. Yeah. But you the, can. You can. Yeah. There's unlimited uh, resources now. And there's so <laughs> many ways to learn. You don't have to carry your encyclopedias around in the car. You got a phone, a yeah. little teeny phone. It's got everything you need to know in there. Absolutely. So would yeah. you say that, you know, what you just talked about, was that something that you naturally had within you, like doing a job, doing what you say you're going to do, working hard, being the best at whatever you're in, or was it something that continued to develop? No, I did that because I was afraid of my mother, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just did what you're supposed to do. There was no like excuses, but then I'm, I, I became, uh, I'm kind of, I like routine and I like to know things organized and I, I use a lot of systems, even you know, I was the man who said, and I'll tell you now, you want to make money? Clipboards. I'm going to bring clipboards back because you put everything you want to get done in your business and you use a clipboard with a checklist. Uh -huh. I put those in every business I worked in, checklists. It holds people accountable. It educates people. It trains people. Maybe today they use their phone, but a planner, that's a checklist for your life. You know, mm -hmm. time to get your physical. It's time to go work out. It's time to uh, do whatever, all the things you got to do every day. And a lot of people are overwhelmed. 
So I became pretty uh, disciplined about getting things done. And I kind of invented my own systems until I went to a time management seminar in about 1980 and really learned a system for planning, thinking about what I had to do, getting ahead of the game, uh, doing things way in advance that don't pay off till later, like exercise pays off when you're older, uh, you know, going back to school pays off later, uh, be, uh, training, developing your people that work for you pays off for your business. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the things you got to do back here that you get to pay off later, you know, and that's what I had to learn because a lot of people are still waiting to start saving for their retirement <laughs> and they're now they're 55. That's good. That may be a little too late. Yeah. You got to get started. And that's what problem. Most people don't have the discipline to get started and they procrastinate. And mm -hmm. I've really come to the conclusion, the number one reason people procrastinate, don't get things done that they want to do and could do, they don't feel well, either mentally, physically, or emotionally. And you just think about it. Uh, if you don't feel well, you don't get a lot done today. If you didn't get a good night's sleep, or you ate that third meatball, or you ate <laughs> dinner too late, or you drank too many beers or glasses of wine, or you didn't get enough sleep, you think that that's why people don't get things done. They don't feel like it. And uh, I'm really, I pay a lot of attention to that. What time I have dinner and not eat too late. I, I kind of gave up alcohol because I sleep a hundred times better. Uh, mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning. I try to think about whether I had a good night's sleep or not. When I wake up in the morning, as they say, before you talk to your wife or see anybody, drink two large glasses of water because your brain is like Swiss cheese when you wake up in the morning. It's dehydrated and you'll feel better all day. Mm -hmm. I'm just starting to learn more about it's sleep, exercise, and diet. That's why people either feel bad or feel good. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a mystery. There's a book out now, which I read, which is unbelievable. It's called why we sleep. It's written by PhD and it's like amazing. You read that book, it'll change your whole, I mean, and when you have kids one day, we don't understand the sleep issue enough. We get kids up too early. They don't get the, uh, you know, and people all say, well, I can live on four hours sleep. No, you can't. It, it tears away at your life. You, you die younger. You, oh, no, no, you need eight or nine hours sleep a night. Kids do. We all do. Mm -hmm. And people go around, they don't know they're dying. <laughs> they think they feel good. And then they die at 64. 72 uh, you're uh, you know you don't have the same uh, ability to withstand infection you, I, I mean, it's mm -hmm. everything yeah absolutely and, uh, so i'm really focused on my health the last 15 20 years it's like hey this all this is real it, yeah this is real i took sugar out of my diet it's hard it takes about 10 days and i just now i keep pineapple chunks i keep watermelon chunks and cantaloupe chunks in my refrigerator and little 60 calorie yogurts which are nice and sweet i have that after dinner if i'm hungry that crunch you know just having an alternative so i could open the freezer and get a nice big ice cream cone or i can open the refrigerator and get some chunks and a and a uh, and a uh, yogurt or something that will satisfy you Mm -hmm. And that's, and now I don't even want sugar anymore. It's, it takes a while to get it out of your system. Cause it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> and my wife loves chocolate. We got more chocolate in this house, but I don't want it. I said, uh -huh. I don't, I'm not, it's not a problem anymore, but it, you got to really be disciplined to train yourself to be different and to do things different. And, and uh, people are not paying attention to that. Look at people in the United States. I mean, it's like, no wonder we got a healthcare problem. Everybody is like 80 pounds overweight, diabetic, and they're having a, a bypass surgery and, and Alzheimer's and God knows what else. I mean, you know, not getting enough sleep is directly related to eating too much. Mm. It is. Mm -hmm. It's real. <laughs> you know it's yeah direct those are direct those are real right to the from your brain to your heart and yeah. uh, so i think people need to we got to help people get more knowledge we got to teach kids earlier in school when my son went to first grade he came home and said dad you know what you get if you smoke cigarettes <laughs> i said no what do you get he said you get heart disease he didn't even know what that was but he it's in his brain you don't want to smoke yeah heart disease <laughs> first grade you know, you got to teach these kids early. It's like today, if you got, 
if you got girls, you want to be talking to them and boys when they're nine or 10 years old about uh, sexual issues, because, mm. uh, you know, they're, they have lots of ways to learn the wrong way. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the parents are usually the problem. Well, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got to understand better that we can control our own lives and quit blaming everybody. Take yeah. care of yourself. Yeah. And I, I tell people, take care of yourself because when you die, your wife's going to get remarried. So you better stay around. <laughs> <laughs> and he, that guy's going to drive your car. He's going to live in your house and uh, do it for your family. Do it for your parents. They don't want you dying. And people, uh, you know, don't be selfish. Do it for your family. Take mm -hmm. care of yourself. My wife gave me three new goals after I retired. She said, your new priorities, Lee, are take care of yourself so you can take care of me. And then <laughs> after you take care of your family, take care of your business. And then if you have any time left over, you can play golf or help Kim Kardashian with her problems. But <laughs> make sure you know what you're going to do every day, mm. your health, your family, your job. That's my order. And once you know, those are the three things you got to get done before you can go play golf or take a nap or screw around or get on your phone. Yeah, and it's most people don't have that. I know every day. I mean, that's it. Mm -hmm. And I feel great. I'm going to be 78 next month and I feel terrific. And I can, I have a workout twice a week on strength training, uh, agility and balance. My wife and I both, we do it online with our trainer. We put the computer and there he is. And we got all the equipment and we do it. And we had it this morning and last night I didn't want to do it. I hate the guy, you know, he works just like a dog. I mean, really. And we both feel great and but we don't want you, to break a, we don't want to break a hip. Yeah. But you I did mean, it, right? We did it. You didn't want to do scheduled. it, but you did it. Yes. It's scheduled. It's scheduled. And you do it. You got to schedule the priorities in your life mm -hmm. and you got to do the hard things. This is the problem. Nobody wants to do the hard things. Oh no. We don't, Cause everything's hard. Well, everything's hard before it comes easy. You know, you can't keep the training wheels on your bike until you're 45 years old. You've got to eventually. And this is the problem. Unless you do hard things, life gets harder. If you take the easy route, life's going to get, you're going to get out of shape. You're not going to pay attention to your wife. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to feel good in the morning. So you're going to get in road rage out on the highway because you're mad at somebody. And I mean, it this all goes downhill if you don't take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And you know, these people, you see them every day. Yeah. They're in a bad mood. They're angry. They're mad. They don't even know why. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. It's it can sad. be me. It can be me sometimes. So. Yeah. We Easy. all need to be, be better. Mm -hmm. We're all doing a lot, but we're not being a lot and yeah. be there for people. Be ethical, be honest, be. And I, I was as selfish as anybody when I was young, because it was all about me. I want to get the bonus and the car and the stock options and, and as you get older, I wish I'd have learned that earlier, but I did learn it early enough to make sure our son grew up with the right values and our grandkids did. And at the end of the day, somebody said, what's the meaning of life? And the guy told me it's to be happy. I know, but how do you do it? <laughs> this is, it's not what you want. It's how do you get there? Mm -hmm. You want to be healthy. You got to do this, 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 and you will be. Yeah. Well, but you got to well, know what it is. Yeah. And one thing, as you just talked about all those things, one thing that I can see the pattern, you, you have these things that you want in your life, but you set checklists and goals to develop habits, to consistently do those things, to make sure that you're doing them every day to get you to where you want to be. And if it makes it easier for you, right? You don't have to necessarily think because you know, you put the pineapple in the fridge, you can just go in and pick it up. You don't have to think about it. You've already set in place these systems, like you talked about, which uh, we'll get into too, but you set these systems in place for your life to be healthy, to be present with your, your wife and your kids, um, and, and to help other people out. And so that's something that I can take. And I think it's really important to understand that you set up these systems in your life to get the results that you want to see. I work with a lady that's in the pharmaceutical business, a big company. And she was teaching us, you know, she was in one of my masterminds reasons. She taught us to think about many habits, many habits, you know, drink two glasses of water when you get up in the morning. Uh, put in your planner if you can't remember, set the alarm in your clock to make sure you're drinking enough water all day. A mini habit, and then it'll become a real habit, like brushing your teeth. Or a mini habit is to, before you go into a meeting, sit and think about, okay, how do I want this to go? And I don't want to overreact. I know he's going to annoy me, and I'm going to be professional. And when you sit and think about that, then you do it. 
you know, because the triggers come when we least expect them. And if we'd think about what can happen in this meeting, what's going on, uh, you calm your, your brain, half the stuff in your brain is not true. You know, a lot of stuff's up there. You don't even know is up there that's screwing you around and making you overreact and saying things you wish you hadn't said, and doing things you wish you hadn't done because somebody did something to you when you were two years old and you don't know why, but you've got a problem. We all do. And to really start to understand yourself and especially how you feel. How do you feel? That's mm -hmm. the difference. Most people don't want to know how they feel because they feel horrible. They don't sleep well. I mean, and then they get up frustrated and they go eat a, you know, some Oklahoma gravy and biscuits and, <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, you got to have a big conversation with yourself and understand yourself. And most people don't do that. And we don't educate them either. Mm. You know, uh, routine is really important. Mm. Routine. We all brush our teeth every day, hopefully a couple of times. That's routine. We always do it. We were taught to do it. And we've got to start teaching people that these are important too. My grandkids are all in perfect physical shape. They look great. They feel great because that's how they grew up. You, mm. you know, you become who you are when you're seven or eight or nine years old by where you live and who you're. And we, we let, I feel really bad for people who grow up in poverty and no education and a house with no air conditioning and, and God, not enough, way too many carbs and not enough protein and not vegetables and, it affects your brain. I mean, literally, mm -hmm. you don't get a night nutrition. Your children will have problems. Yeah. I mean, it's, isn't that scary? I mean, it it's, it's, and it's happening all over the world and mm -hmm. healthcare, getting your kids to their physicals and getting their inoculations and getting them checkups. And can you imagine that there's kids out there that don't get any of that? Mm. Yeah. Nobody gives it. I mean, it's like, it's real. Yeah. And uh, so we're lucky. We are, yeah. We're, we're lucky, and we're, my children are lucky, and my grandchildren are lucky, and yeah. they're lucky because I have Venmo too, so they like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, so a lot of that stuff, you know. It's yeah. about us. We can do more than we think we can do. Absolutely, and I love that point. It's such a great point because we do have so many things that pop up in our head a lot of times that keep us from doing the things that we really can do. But also, I want to dive back into your story. You were. At Hilton, then you went to Marriott. And so Marriott at the time, I believe there was maybe 32 ho hotels nationally at the time. And That's you it. jumped in and then now they're over, you know, I don't even know the statistics, over 4,000, whatever it is. 7,000. And at the time, my friends at Hilton said, are you crazy to go to that little company? They're never going to be anybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what was that experience like? Because you were working, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a smaller environment where you said you saw Mr. Marion all the time. What was he like? What were the things you learned from him and, and in that organization as you grew as a manager and leader and person as well? First thing you learn at Marriott is you take care of your people. That's Bill Marriott. Take care of the people. If they're not, we don't have, we didn't have any unions. You were responsible for coaching your people, talking to people, uh, disciplining them and uh, using empathy to make them feel better. Uh, take care of your people and uh, systems. I learned there. Hmm. Marriott is systems. You take an inventory every day. You do this. You check that. You know your overtime. You know how much. I mean, you know everything about your business upside down. You know the P and L backwards and forwards. And uh, they make. I learned how to be a manager. How to manage the business. And uh, and that's Bill Marriott. They're relentless about uh, take care of the people, and they'll take care of the business for you. And it's true. And uh, they always were like that. When I worked at Hilton, Mr. Hilton would come to the hotel. We'd never see him. He went up to his suite. When Bill Merrick comes to the hotel, you walk, you go on a walk with him through the kitchens. He looks under the refrigerators. He see if it's clean. He goes to the back dock where the trash is. I mean, it's a long, hard walk with him because he does not, he wants to teach and he's teaching you all the way. You may not know you're being taught, but you learn a lot on those walks. Sure. And that's just like, you know, when your kids someday hang out with you, they'll learn from you. They're going to watch you. Everybody's watching you. You're being judged every minute of every day by everything you say and everything you do. And if you don't realize that, you've got to be out of your mind because your reputation is what it is and you probably deserve it. Yeah. 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 And you every can change and you can change it. Mm -hmm. And so Marriott was terrific. I mean, it was amazing. And we got two days off. 
at Hilton, I worked six days a week. They, they really respected uh, your, I got stock options when I was brand new. I didn't even know what they were. I threw them in a drawer. I, I never heard of stock. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. I was going, what, what is this? Years <laughs> later, somebody said, I said, yeah, I looked at them. They got it. I got a thousand shares at $12 and they went on to go, run up to $200 a share. And I, <laughs> I thanked Mr. Marriott for putting my son through college Yeah, <laughs> because they gave, they took care of everybody. Mm. I mean, people were, were so committed to Marriott. No turnover was almost zero. I mean, it was unbelievable. People stay their whole career mm. because they were treated right. They were respected. They were included. They were involved. They were listened to and they had opportunity to move up. Everything was internal. Most promotions were internal. If you did a good job, you could move up. Mm -hmm. I mean, who, who doesn't like that? I mean, so yeah. people stay and they refer people, you know, your, your reputation hits the street. Everybody knows Marriott. That's a good place to go. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, that's the same with Disney. People want to work at Disney. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so don't underestimate that the world doesn't know who you really are and what you really are and what your company is mm -hmm. because people talk. And yeah. most good, good business is referral business. You know, when somebody says, Hey, he's great work with him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a great story to getting to hear, you know, the way he operated his business and the things you learned that I know you applied obviously in, in your work as well, but you know, the question that, or the, the statement that you said, people are watching you and that, that stands out to me because that everyone is always watching you and you're doing something. So the question maybe is what are you teaching them, the people around you? based upon what they're watching you. And I know from a story that you've said that you tried to implement those same practices at Disney, where before you got to your office, you tried to go out and be around the people and make it personal. And I think that is really powerful. Can you describe, you know, when you transitioned to Disney and, and being in leadership and, and how, how was that, you know, was it different from Marriott or what was, what were the things you tried to carry over within your leadership? Yeah, it was similar to Marriott in every ways, except we weren't in the entertainment business. And I mean, Disney's quite a different product. Yeah. You know, I always told my Marriott friends, you don't tell your kids when they grow up, you're going to take them to Marriott. I mean, it's a big deal to go to Disney. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, but the values, how people are treated, how they're trained, how they're developed, how they're given opportunity, chances uh, that people are, uh, I think led with empathy and discipline, just like your mother would. I mean, like to make you better. And when you're not doing something, you're going to hear about it. And when you're doing well, you're going to hear about it in a nice way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so when I combined Mar I, Marriott and Disney, it was, uh, I knew that I had to learn the business first. I didn't make any decisions first three or four months. I just, I went out in the operation every day, talked to people, met with people, uh, had people send me their best ideas. Uh, I had a, I had a yellow pad with 20 pages of things people told me to f check into. I stayed in the hotels for weeks just to see what things were like. And I could walk around, see it and, uh, you know, find out what's going on before you start making changes and get to know people. If you don't restart, if you don't establish relationships before you establish the work, you will never be successful. That's why I always tell you, even anybody in sales, somebody, you want to sell somebody something? No, you know, people sometimes connect with me on LinkedIn and 10 minutes later, they want to sell me something. That's about the worst thing you can do. Yeah. You can connect on me. Let's communicate. Maybe six months later, you might, because you've, I, I feel manipulated when you do that. And uh, we got, we got, and we, a natural thing for most people is to do that. Go yeah. right for the sale. Go for what you want me to buy. No, 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 no. You got to get to know me. Let make sure I trust you because I don't trust anybody anymore with calling me up. We don't even answer <laughs> our phone anymore because everybody's got some scam. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So people are getting to where the relationship comes first, and it does. And you know, and uh, that's just the way it is. T just slow down, take your time, get to know me, see what I need, not what you want to sell me. Absolutely. No, and you'll be long, the long game, you'll be better. You'll be more successful because people, yeah. will, people will refer you. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, how did you wind up at Disney? Did you know someone there at the time? Because yeah, I, it I, goes back I to relationships. For, yeah, I worked for Marriott, a guy worked for me. His name was Sanjay Varmi, he's Indian. And uh, he was really smart and really great. And uh, they brought him from the Middle East. He was working over there for Marriott and they brought him to Washington and he was going to report to me. 
And he was a handful. Let me tell you, this guy would go, he was like 10 years younger than me. He was going a mile a minute and he had 12 ideas and, <laughs> and he wasn't always very uh, smooth in how he handled things. And uh, so he worked for me and I learned managing him was not easy, but uh, it, it worked out. He left the company eventually and went with Disney. And three years later, he called me and want, he was going to open Disneyland Paris as the executive vice president of operations. And he wanted me to come with him to run the food and beverage operation. So I say there, I worked, he worked for me and I turned around and I worked for him for three years. And uh, yeah, just, you know, don't try to be a big deal. Just treat people right. Be honest with them. Tell them the truth. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the best way to handle a tough situation? I said, well, I've learned truth works pretty good. <laughs> Just use the truth. Don't spin it around. I don't, don't give me something where I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. And this is the problem. Just get to the point, have the conversation, treat people right. And they will let you do that. You can have hard conversations. It's like a marriage. You can not always agree, but you always love each other. And you get, you know, it's, my wife and I have many disagreements about many things, but I'm not going to leave her and she's not going to leave me because we disagree. That's because we treat each other right and respect each other right. And I'm there for her when she needs me and she's there when I need her. And you don't have to agree with everybody. You know, I was telling people that you don't have to do everything in your job either. You don't have to do anything. You just got to make sure it gets done. Yeah. So you can hire experts. You can hire a marketing person. You can hire somebody to mow your lawn. You can hire somebody to drive you to work. You don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. but you still got to get it done. And um, although I would say with children, you do have to be a good role model personally. Yes. <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need a nanny to do that for you. Absolutely. No. And, and what you talked about just in relationships, being a good person and treating someone with respect and dignity, you know, if you hadn't done that, that opportunity wouldn't have happened. Right. But you were a good leader and you cared for the people underneath you and opportunities come from that. Not that you were trying to have that ever happen, you just were doing it because it was the right thing to do. And now all of a sudden a new opportunity uh, opened up and, and that's how it worked out. So that's a powerful lesson in my opinion that and you can it tell is. from your story. And at the, if everybody listening out there would say, if you got a good attitude and you treat people right and you're, and you're uh, competent in the work you do, you'll be fine. But if you're, if you, I don't care how competent you are, if you're a jerk, I mean, forget it. Your competency doesn't matter. I don't care if you're the smartest guy in the world. I mean, and people have got to get over that. I tell people I get into again. I said, don't be a big deal. When you become a big deal, don't do it. Don't become famous. All famous people are having a million problems, drugs, alcohol, divorce. I mean, suicide. I mean, be careful what you want. Be, be good. Don't be, you know, it's not how much money, it's be good, be a good person. And that's hard for a lot of people because we all have egos and we have the, you know, we want to show off and we're trying to prove something to somebody else. We got a bigger car and they do, and we got a, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares, by the way. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about you. Maybe your mother and your wife, that's about it. <laughs> and everybody else is lying because they care about themselves. And you've got to be the kind of person that they respect you. And uh, a lot of people don't deserve that respect today, the way they act and the way they don't do what they say they're going to do and don't follow up and don't call you back and don't keep their promises. And those are things that are real. And that's what you teach your kids. Mm -hmm. That's why any, any kid that had a good mother is going to be successful. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, it's a big start right there. And uh I tell nurses, think about that being your mother in that bed when you take care of the patient. Think about that being your daughter or your sister. In a schoolroom, teacher, think about that being your son in that schoolroom. Are mm -hmm. you, you know, think about it. Think about it. Be the kind of leader you would like your kids to have when they get in their first job. Be the kind of leader you want your children to be exposed to. Then it kind of makes it a little more personal. Yeah. Because those are all somebody's kids. Mm -hmm. And that we forget that. We go around thinking we're a big deal and we yell at them and we intimidate them and threaten them. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, that's not the route to getting success. People will not, if, you, if they don't think you're committed to them, they will not be committed to you. This is mm -hmm. real life. This is real life.
Yeah. You want your wife to stay with you? You tell her you love her every day. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Don't forget. Absolutely. That's important. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, and you just touched on that. How did how did that affect you uh, running Disney? Because I, how many employees did you have to oversee at that time? Well, at that time, I had 40,000 plus 5,000 managers. That's a, for, that's a lot of employees to oversee. It is, but I had great people. Mm-hmm. I mean, every person who worked for me represented me, and they we all behaved, and we had the same value. We treated people respectfully because we don't hire people that don't do that. I mean, you're, the people who work for you and the way they behave is a reflection of you. It's what you let happen. If it's happening, it's your fault. You know, if people are not being treated right at Disney, it would be my fault. I need to get into that and find out why. I Did I hire the wrong person? Did I not train them? Was I not clear with them about how we behave around here, how we treat people? It's total clarity. If your kids misbehave, it's your fault. <laughs> it's not anybody else's, Yeah. you know? And and that's what we got to start thinking. You know, if we're in a responsible leadership position or being a parent, we own it. Don't be trying to blame it. Somebody else, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you got to get involved. You got to be there. You got to listen. You got to have hard conversations with your kids with empathy and discipline, be fair and firm and they'll grow up and be just great. And uh, then you won't send some idiot child to my workplace where I have to start over and train them. (laughs) you know and but by the way today there's a lot of that you get kids you got to start from how to take a shower how to look how to parse the shoe how to come in and how to talk i mean a lot of they need there's a lot of uh, lack of development with children or in the workforce coming out of college they haven't had a they don't know how to have a conversation with somebody they they don't know how to speak to somebody be respectful uh, be professional i mean you see it everywhere you go I mean, you see it every day, everywhere you go. And those people are not going to have a good life. It's sad. Mm-hmm. And it's their parents' fault and their grandparents and whoever else developed this thing in their lives, this this environment that's not right. Well, let me ask you, because uh, I want to touch on something. You know, you talked about that right there. What What do you think allows people that grow up in a rougher environment to get out of that environment and to go and change the trajectory of, of their life and their family's life and their, the, the rest of their life versus maybe some that grow up in that environment and they stay in it, you know? Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know. You know, it's sure. some, uh, sometimes it's somebody encouraging them. It could be your pastor. It could be your boss. It could be when you were, had a job as a teenager, somebody paid attention to you and got you because if you don't get any influence and you, that's all, you know, you're, it's, you, you just know what you know, and you're going to not have the security and ability and not, you know, this kid that we got help, got him in college. He couldn't, he didn't know how to get into college. You know how hard it is the bureaucracy of birth certificates and uh, scholarship. I mean, it was like a nightmare and we helped him. We went all, I went to the school, helped him get through it. He was just, uh, you know, he was estranged from his mother. His dad was on dialysis three times a week. He's got three brothers in prison. I mean, he, he grew up in a rough neighborhood and went to a rough school. And there's a lot of kids like him. And he, he is fabulous. But he got a break. Luckily, he and I ran into each other. And I, I could tell the first day I shook hands with him, I knew, I said, you know, I know you're somebody, I can already tell you're so poised and, and, uh, he's a pleasure to see him. Yeah. He sent my wife flowers for her birthday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, he always asked about Priscilla. I bought a daytimer set and took it and showed him how to plan his day and how to put him through it and gave him two years worth. So he would, I mean, he didn't know about that, but you yeah. got to sit down and think about what you're going to do this week, this month, if what, people and the schools are not doing a good job either. School is doing a terrible job. And the counselors in schools are doing a terrible job because they got too many kids and they don't know what they, I mean, it's like, uh, if you, uh, I think we all business, we need to get more involved in the schools and be up there and mentoring and taking kids and showing them, bringing kids, you know, there's groups out there, sheriff's department. I know they bring uh, poor children to Disney every year. They rent a bus and they bring hundred kids down here. Kids would never get to see Disney. I mean, get a trip. I mean, they're exposing them. 
And we, I always just every day you have opportunities to figure out where you could go do that for somebody. I mean, it's like take them to a basketball game, foot. I mean, some of these kids never been anywhere. And um, exposure, I'll just tell you over and over, it's exposure. If you don't get the right exposure, you just don't know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I flew on the plane the first time when I was 20. My grandkids were on a twain plane when they were three weeks old. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. they don't even, I mean, it's exposure. Yeah. My grandkids flew to France when they were 13 by themselves. My grandson had, had an appendicitis, had it operated on and two days later when he was 13, flew to France for the summer by himself. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would still be in the airport wandering around trying to figure out where to get on. <laughs> I mean, these, you know, it's exposure. They, they're comfortable. They know they have their passports. They, mm -hmm. it's like, <laughs> it's well, it's, a, it's exposure, but it's also what I see from what you've done is you are, your eyes are open and you're looking for opportunities to be a positive influence. So I that I would say that's an encouragement to everyone. You know, don't just think, oh, well, well, Lee can do it or someone else can do it. That's been more successful than me. We all, we all can do it. We all can sit down and say, what are the opportunities around me and how can I be a positive Positive influence day, in whatever every way. Every day you could pick somebody and make their day by paying attention to them for five minutes or stopping. And I mean, every day we, we miss opportunities every day to make somebody's mm -hmm. life better. Yeah. And a lot of times just a, that they realize, you know, they're alive, you know, yeah. you know, their last name, <laughs> you know what they do. <laughs> and I, I would imagine that many of the people that worked at Disney when you were in leadership, when you went around and you went on the grounds and you talked with some of the employees that you may not see all the time, every single day, I bet they, they remembered that. I bet they remembered when you were present with them and wanted to hear exactly what's going on in their life. I bet many people would remember that. And that's they such did. a simple and, action, right? And they talked about it after I left. They told the other people, he's okay. He's yeah. a good guy. Do you believe he, I told him and he, he followed up on it and fixed it. He did what he said he was going to do. And that's i say you're being judged oh okay big lee came out here we told him he didn't do nothing yeah. he went back to his big office and looked out the window i mean you got to be on your game you know yeah. if you tell your kids one day you're going to take them to disney and you never do they're going to grow up all screwed up <laughs> you know, they're going like what my dad never followed through or you're going to take them to some camping one friday night when they're little and you don't do it i mean that goes up at, they don't you know got to do what you say you're going to do and be so be careful what you say you're going to do because <laughs> it's uh, easy to say it and hard to do it. Mm, that's great. Well, I, I don't want on your time. So I want to wind down here. Um, you know, real quickly, before we go into these last few questions, what does it mean to be a, a good husband and father in your opinion? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I think it's uh, the influence and uh, the responsibility of knowing that you know when you get into a job or you get into a marriage or you have kids i can tell you it's not all fun and games uh disney's fun marriage is fun but there are those times when we have issues and uh, i think it's a security thing too i mean i love knowing the only people i really worry about in my life are my family there's seven of us now and Man, as long as they're okay, I'm okay. I got very depressed and went through a big problem with depression a few years ago when my wife got sick and almost died. I found out I cannot take personal family issues. If somebody out working for me have problems, that doesn't depress me. I work on and do my best with family. I mean, that is like, and it's probably because of how I grew up in a dysfunctional home and I never felt like I make sure my kids filled and, and, um, yeah, when my son and I do something together, I'll introduce myself and tell that whole story about how I grew up. My son will say, well, I don't have any problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I don't have any story like that to tell you. I had no problems growing up. Everything happened. My dad paid for college. I don't have any college debt. I don't, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, it's quite a lot of satisfaction for me to see them do well. I guess that's seeing them do well just makes my day. Yeah. Know, my grandson went to France to go to college when he was 20, I mean, he just went. I mean, he didn't speak French and he just did it. I mean, the confident, I mean, I, I, I tell my wife, do you believe it? He just went over there, flew over there and went to college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and it, it, I know we have are responsible for a lot of that, of developing that and helping that and encouraging them and building their self confidence. So, again, I just say we can all do something for somebody, and somebody out there around you right now needs it. And because they're not going to show it to you, everybody says they're doing great, which is the biggest lie in America. Yeah. And uh, everybody's got problems, worries. And if we're in a place where we can help, why not? I mean, that's the one thing I tell you. That's why I said people, I, what reason, reason I do this, people, in, they like it and they clap. And I love it because it makes me feel good. Nothing like appreciation, recognition, encouragement. I, we all want it. Sure. And, and everybody and a lot of people don't get it at all. Mm. A lot of people don't get any appreciation, any recognition, any encouragement. I mean, you know, they say the number one reason people become homeless is when they lose all hope. When the last person in their family says, don't ever come back here, we're done with you. When you lose hope, they end up on the street when nobody is there to support them. They have no hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can all give people hope every day. I mean, yeah, give people hey, hope. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm here. I'll help you. Yeah, let me know. What see what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, finally, the last two questions we got for you. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I would say be careful what you say and do. And it's never too late to get better. And no matter what it is, your health, your marriage, your anything. It's never too late. Quit putting these uh these uh, barriers and, and obstacles around your thinking. You can start at 50 and be great. You can start at 60. <laughs> Just if you take care of yourself, there's you got a long time to be successful and make an impact. So don't underestimate your influence. Don't underestimate what you personally can accomplish and help people believe that. And yeah, that's fantastic. That's what we can all do. Yeah, this I don't this, need to go to church to be inspired. I need to inspire people. And so I can help them and not just talk. You know, I tell people, I say, listen, I do three things. I speak, I teach and I preach. Which one do you want? <laughs> you know, which one do you want? <laughs> we all can do, you know, we get a lot of preaching, but preaching doesn't tell me how to do it. Teaching does teach mm -hmm. me how to do this. Don't just tell me what to do. Teach me how to do it. And we got to start teaching more and quit preaching so much. And yeah. Yeah. Well, Lee, this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Well, I think it's being as good as you're capable of being. I mean, for me, that's, uh, I, I always want to be, I'm not as good as a lot of people in a lot of things, but I'm, a, I'm as good as I can be in the things I do. And, uh, you know, it's like magic, you know, people say, what's magic? And I say, well, it's when people don't, can't, can't believe it's so good. They just can't believe it. How'd you do that? And that's what excellence is. He's so good. I can't believe it. He always, you know, that's to me, uh, be as good as you can be and mm -hmm. always be thinking about that because it doesn't cost anything to be better. Actually, it doesn't cost a penny to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Costs that nothing. Yes, that's great. That's some great advice right there. Uh, yeah. Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing uh, all the things, you know, from your experiences and your stories. Um, it's so impactful. And the things that you do for other people, obviously, I want to offer appreciation for that. But, um, you know, and then also too, just, uh, you know, side note, my wife and I, we just got our first, I just got my first Disney experience about a month ago, we went to Disneyland. And oh. it was, it was fantastic. So love, love that's, Disney. It was great. That's great. Yeah, those Californians are they're a little laid back, though. They may not all come in. They go surfing and get to come to work. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. It is a great experience. And it, as you observe it when you're in those kind of places, not only there, Costco, any place, it's great. You learn. You say, well, I could do that in my business. I never thought of that. Be a, you, know, you can be learning all day long if you're paying attention. And every experience is a good one. If someone wants to find out more about you, I know you've written a bunch yeah. of books. Uh, we got one right here. You've got some behind you if you're watching on video and you have a podcast called Creating Disney Magic. Just talk about some of the things and, and what's the best way to, to find yeah. information about you. Well, I would tell anybody that wants to improve dramatically is uh, listen to the podcast. It's 15 minutes every Tuesday. There's about almost 400 episodes. We talk about everything from how to raise your kids to how to get fired to how to get another job to how to deal with people to uh, to do how to deal with depression and all the things that are going on in the world and they're free people could listen to one a day and they'll learn a lot i have a website leecockerel.com 
and it has I have my Cockrell Academy, which is a subscription service for eight or nine courses now. Um, we're having a webinar tomorrow that's free. We've had 600 people sign up so far. We'll give a lot of good advice on what's going on right now about hiring and you know, running your business with this shortage of people and attitudes and stuff like that. And uh, we just try to communicate out there. And you know, we got a lot of followers, about to hit 3 million downloads on the podcast. It's from all over the world. I hear from people in Hong Kong, India, because everybody's got the same problems. So just go out there and it could be my resources. It could be yours. It could be Google. There's plenty out there to make you better and you can get better if you do it on purpose. Every week at the end of the week, you ought to be a lot smarter than you were at the beginning of the week. And if you're not, that's your problem and that's your fault. And you're going to be sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And you should be healthier at the end of the week too. Uh Really be sorry. So anyway, those just some things are fun and This is a good subject. I'm glad you're doing it because people need to hear it, whether they want to hear it or not. Hey, everyone. It's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.